Hello everyone, welcome back to the Scouted Football Podcast, uh, the only place you need to go for under 23 football. Uh, we've been on a short break from podcasting while the final preparations for the Scouted Football Handbook Volume 7 are put in place, but they're in the final stages now, which means we've had some more time to put together today's episode. Um, we're really looking forward to the response to Volume 7, as once again it does have an, an extremely vibrant and an excellent front cover illustrated by Matthew Shipley, um, following on from Volumes 5 and 6, which had Lautaro Martinez and Bukayo Saka on the front. Uh, I can't yet disclose who might be appearing on or in Volume 7, but we'll be releasing that info sooner rather than later. Uh, but back to the podcast, and today uh, I'm joined by Cam Melling, the man behind the brilliant English Players Abroad account on Twitter, which does exactly what it says on the tin. Uh, it keeps plenty of people, including yours truly, uh, up to date on all things happening in the careers of English players, you know, applying their trades uh, outside the UK, outside uh, the, the the big leagues that we would t- typically follow in the UK. Um, and, and if there were to be a Venn diagram for English players abroad and the players that we cover at Scouted Football, I feel like there'd be quite a lot of overlap at the moment, um, which is, of course, the reasoning behind today's recording. Um, Cam, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It was a nice professional intro- introduction there. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, uh, you're an Everton fan. Uh, we just have been having a little bit of a chat beforehand, which is fair to say isn't always excellent, but lately there's been plenty to be excited about, namely sort of the forward duo, uh, both under 23, Richarlison and Dom Calvert-Lewin. Um, how have you sort of found their form and Ev- Everton's form post-lockdown? Um, Calvert-Lewin has been a bit of a surprise this season. Like As Everton fans, we weren't, I don't think, entirely convinced before this season. Uh, and before the lockdown, he was really good. Um, hasn't been so great since, but having two players up front that can get double-figured goals a season is uh, yeah, it's quite exciting, really. Yeah, I suppose that's something that you know you haven't really had at Goodison Park for, for too long with two players who can play very varying roles. And, you know, the, the likes of Richarlison who can score all types of goals, is, yeah, it's, it's plenty to, to take um, encouragement from. Um, but so, so more about the, the English players abroad account. You know, how did you get it started and, and where did the motivation come from? Because it's fair to say that Britain is a, bit, is a bit of an outlier when it comes to domestic players going to play abroad compared to, to other countries. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what like kick-started it. I know I've said before in the past, like when I was younger watching England in like Euro 2004 uh, or World Cup, seeing Hargreaves play, it seemed very mysterious. I didn't really know much about him because he wasn't really on Sky Sports much. Um, and then when I went to university, I had to start my own blog. And um, yeah, that's why I chose this topic, as really. That was like six years ago now. And yeah, I was just, that started my topic, got a like, good market university and um, started the interest from there, really. Yeah, you mentioned um, Owen Hargreaves there. And I suppose going back 15, 20 years, there were the likes of Owen at Bayern München and, and of course, David Beckham at Real Madrid, Michael Owen at Real Madrid. And then even longer, you probably had, you know, the trailblazing figures like Kevin Keegan at Hamburg SV. Um, but... Nowadays, you've got more English players plying their trade overseas, and in particular, there's quite a few younger lads. Um, from your perspective, you know, someone who's someone who's been following English players abroad for, for quite some time. Why do you think beginning to see um, these young English players begin to seek these opportunities abroad as opposed to domestically? Because it seems like a bit of a cliche now, but you can't really look past the Sancho effect. Really, the fact that. He went for like, what, was it nearly like 10 million euros before he even played a senior game? Because Man City seemed like a bit of a gamble, but then he was playing like Bundesliga by the end of the season. And this actually had such an effect, especially the way he's from 
originally from London. I feel like a lot of London ballers like speak to each other, kind of stay in close contact with each other. And when his friend like Reese Nelson was obviously at like, Hoffenheim as well, like I feel like I just had a big boom. I sort of seemed like much more of an option for people. I wasn't like going abroad as the last resort or anyway, just to giving up in English football it seemed like it was competing with playing at home really. Yeah, I mean, there's the saying that, you know, as as we advance and, and sort of globalisation takes hold, um, you know, the world becomes so much smaller in a way. And I suppose that's been kind of reflected in in the recent transfers and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's it's much easier to track an English player in Spain, for example, than it would have been in, in, the, in the 1990s or even the 2000s. Um, so with the success of players like Sancho, who you just mentioned, you know, doing so well at Borussia Dortmund uh, and being involved in, in the England setup, do you think that perhaps like the old notion of playing abroad, meaning that, like you said about Hargreaves, you know, he's a bit mysterious. Do you think that you effectively playing yourself out of contention for a call up? You know, is, is that more done and dusted, or is it like a thing of the past? Would you would do you think that you know managers and and uh, at an international level, Gareth Southgate and perhaps you know the the ones that under twenty one, under twenty, under nineteen level, you know, they they're going to be looking past that and thinking, yeah. I rate this player for going out of his comfort zone. Yeah, hopefully we'll look past that, especially under 17 and 18 level. There's so many of those that do play abroad now. Hopefully that kind of passes up through to the senior team and thinking, yeah, the coaches of the younger teams are looking abroad, then Southgate will hopefully think he can kind of look abroad as well and have no worries of calling up players who play abroad. Trippier seems to pay himself back into contention and maybe in Chris Smalling, who um, seems to compete out England pitcher, may have giving himself a second chance in the future. Yeah, you mentioned there's quite a few sort of under-17, under-18 level. I mean, are there any in particular that you kind of have kept tabs on to, since going over to, to you know, France's, to Spain's, to Belgium's, Holland's, that that sort of place? Who, who are the ones that, you know, of the young, down the younger age of the spectrum that you've kept an eye on? Um, the first one really was, even though he's back in the now, Louis Barry went from West Brom to Barcelona. And then obviously, he, that, obviously he's back in England now, but, that seems to, that age group, I think that's 17, 18 now, seems to just all kind of look at abroad, playing abroad then, because he's like his youth international teammates, Eunice Musa went to Valencia, Nolly Manduiki went to PSV, uh, like Noah Ohio, obviously he's dual Holland, dual England nationality, but then they all seem to just like focus on playing abroad then. And um, it's just, it was good to see and didn't seem to affect their chance of playing uh, youth level for England either. Yeah, so, so going back to Sancho, um, I mean, he made the switch to Dortmund for, for you know for something like between seven, ten million, um, back in twenty seventeen, which I feel like is something that you know people often forget. Um, you know, he was expensive and an expensive acquisition for such a young age, um, with as you mentioned, such little first team experience. But I suppose the quality was already there, and the pathway at City wasn't. Um, recently, though, we found that you know he'll probably be joined by another Englishman in Dortmund if he stays this summer. That is. Uh, and that'll be Birmingham City's Jude Bellingham. You know, that's two 17-year-olds or 17-year-olds at the time making the move to go abroad at, at that age, you know, from, from following some of the, the lower-profile English teenagers to, to play overseas. Have you found that, you know, perhaps some of the ones that you just mentioned, do they settle well? Do they struggle to adapt? Is it on a case-by-case basis? What have, what have you found? Um, yeah, I found at a more professional sort of level, the players seem to do better at a young age. Um seems to be more well looked after, kind of given more to do, not really left by themselves. Um, so hopefully Bellingham does well. I'm sure he's going to have a good team around him. 
I found that with some of the uh, younger players who go abroad, um, just for like lower levels, um, like third division Finland, say, or second division Bulgaria, that sort of thing, and they don't, they seem to find it hard to adjust. Uh, I don't think they have much to do in their spare time. Is less of a team caring for them when they're not at training. I mean, some of them go on loan or sign contracts and they'll come back quite quickly because they just can't adjust. But hopefully, at a more professional level, they seem to thrive, and um, especially the players who have the ability to play first team football already at a young age they don't seem to look back when leaving the under 23 setup in England. Do you think it's easier to adapt when when you're younger and sort of less out of the spotlight sorry less in the spotlight um, because then by the time that you're coming through and getting to the, the stage where you'd be playing in the first team um, you, you know you're, you're already accustomed to sort of your surroundings and it just feels like a second home so to speak but but then again, on the flip side, you know, you've got, you know, you go at 16, 17, 18 and, uh, and on a personal level, it's, it's difficult to adapt. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you, from what you've seen from certain players you've gone over, what do you think is, is it easier to, to, to adapt at a younger age? I guess if you're 16, 17, 18, you're less set in your ways and it might just feel like another new way of training when you have, because you haven't made senior football yet, you're still learning new things all the time. I guess if you're older, you if you've always played in England, you've never had that new sort of setup, new training. Maybe it would take you longer to adjust, or maybe you wouldn't even consider going abroad because it's just never been something you've done before. Um, I feel like younger players, especially if they're playing in youth level, with young players who play abroad, it's probably much easier for them to like get an insight into it before they go abroad, and they're probably like more clued up on like who's playing abroad anyway um, at that sort of level so maybe they find it easier to adjust and kind of learn a bit more about it before they go abroad whereas the older players probably don't have that sort of connection to abroad really. Yeah I think that's something that, that people might not take into consideration is that if you're if you're meeting up at, at England camps and there's a couple of lads playing for you know the England under 17s but playing for Monaco's reserve side or something for example you know like the Jonathan Panzos then word of mouth is going to spread and you know once one person's done it or one player's done it, it becomes then easier for, for another. Um, so I think that's definitely a factor. Um, and, and one of those younger lads who's playing abroad at the moment is one that we've touched on just before in this podcast and also um, on, on in a previous episode, and that's Yunus Musa. Um, back in January, um, I spoke to, to Connor Rowden, who's better known as uh, at Rowden GRSG on Twitter. And, you know, he's been uh, hugely impressed with, with how Musa has done at Valencia. Um, you know, he's 17, midfielder, playing well for Valencia's B side at the moment. And, and I suppose, Cam, from, from your side of things, um, when did he first come onto your radar and how do you think that he's settled in so far? I didn't know a great deal about him before we went to Valencia, but he was one of those ones that he seemed to start appearing in pitches for Valencia and playing like friendlies for them last summer uh, before he'd even been officially announced that he left Arsenal. Um, but then, yes... Really impressive. I've been. I thought we'd just be playing like you. Uh, you for youth league, maybe some Premier League international cup games at under nineteen and the twenty level. But then to play like a whole like I think it was seventeen games uh, for the Benfica B in the third tier Spanish football. Like you just can't can't argue with that. If he was at Arsenal, he maybe made one game in, in the uh, Czech Trade Trophy and played the PL two maybe. But I'm very impressed that he managed to get seventeen appearances really in the B team already. Assuming he's only seventeen. Yeah, you mentioned he, he was at Arsenal and he left there last summer, which I suppose, given the pedigree that Arsenal have of bringing through players, it's perhaps a bit of a bold move. 
um, you know, because the, the academy at Hale End is quite, quite highly regarded. Um, I mean, we've seen the likes of like following Balogun do well there for the 23s this season, but his future looks set to be away from Arsenal uh, as well. Just, I mean, I suppose it's kind of going back to the point earlier, but do you think more players who, who've done well at under 18 and under 23 level will be sort of seeking those moves to foreign clubs, do you think? You know, particularly now there are previous examples of people who've done it successfully. Oh, yeah, I've seen to be seeing more rumours, but rumours ain't truth to them, of players at 18, even 16, like maybe turn their scholarships to look abroad. I don't know why, but they seem to be, agents seem to be more interested or looking looking further afield now. Uh, I know a few players have ended up staying in England, but probably have done, got better deals from South after clubs abroad have looked at them. Think of a few people like Jaden Raymond that um, Crystal Palace meant to be, was meant to be going to Vitoria in Portugal. They ended up signing a scholarship with Crystal Palace in the end, but that probably that interest in Portugal probably helped him feel more valued at Crystal Palace and they probably offered him a better sort of uh, path now. But not every team can offer that sort of path. And then whether he will actually make the first team at Palace, we'll see. But I see like abroad, not everyone appreciates B teams in England. We don't really, not everyone wants them here, but they are a really good option abroad to get some uh, senior football. Uh, under your belt when you're still a young age. Yeah, because you mentioned the, the the fact that Yunus Musa had been playing um, in the third tier of Spanish football, effectively. And while their league system is different and it does sort of divvy up at the at the third level, you know he's still playing against provincial sides, yet local sides, local teams. You know the equivalent that would be playing in sort of the you know the League One, League Two, um, the National League in England. Um, so, and I suppose that you know that experience of a first team environment is is going to be beneficial to to a young player. But nevertheless, in a, in a foreign country, that's going to be it's going to be difficult. But it's also going to be quite rewarding. Um, do you think that the the lower leagues in in foreign countries, so for example, the the second division in Holland, the Eerste Divisie, where a lot of players go, or the Spanish third tier, or um, the the Belgian second division, do you think because they are effect they are first team football? and there are going to be punctuated by a few English players. Do you think that's a better environment perhaps than maybe going out on loan to a League One, League Two club in, in England? Um, yeah, I feel well, they're both going to be quite beneficial. Uh, I feel they're going to get a whole new education, whether their loan is in League One, League Two or is abroad. Obviously, maybe stereotypical, they learn a bit more physically in England. Uh, but going abroad, if there's that option there, I think it's like, a great option to take with they can maybe learn a bit more physically because they've been playing against men anyway but they can also adapt like technically as well play in front of like more fans hopefully as well or maybe just more riding on the games because the sort of higher division might be more on tv more coverage more fans there so that's obviously probably quite beneficial to play abroad nothing to say league one these two teams don't have that sort of backing as well but if you're playing in the second division of the country you're probably going to get a bit more attention and hopefully have more TV sort of spotlight which adds to the pressure and hopefully uh, improves a player who can come back to England and has kind of experienced what it's like to play like in front of big fans and with a lot of media attention. You touched on Louis Barry and his move from from West Brom to Barcelona um, earlier but he's also as you mentioned moved back to to Aston Villa at the moment um, where where he currently is. Um, Do you find that there are more players who do go out there and come back or do you find that there are more players like Marcus Edwards for example who's at Vitoria who go out there and, and end up staying out there and then you know um, not making not, not making that route back to England because I feel like a lot of people 
probably see you know players who go abroad as oh when will they come back to England sort of you know the home of football the the Premier League the best league in the world but do you see that are there patterns of that or or is it more towards players staying in 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 these foreign countries yeah those are like weird things that some people do see as like if you're not in the Premier League it's like a bit of a failure like you're always gonna like they always feel like peers are always gonna want to come home like uh, that's always the end goal but and then we see why well, that has to be the goal when some players go abroad and once they do a season they realise there's so many more clubs and more options abroad they might as well like give it a go and it just takes that one step and then they feel oh it's not too bad actually I'm doing quite well um, obviously Edward's loan deal in Holland probably helped him going to Portugal when he probably might not have considered going to Portugal it wasn't part of loan spell beforehand um, so, and then some players like go abroad and start working their way up the leagues abroad or in the same country even just and a few good appearances can see you move up uh, the levels in that country, but it might not give you the chance to move up back in England. So like, I don't know how many English teams are watching that third, fourth tier Swedish football, really. So you hope they stay in Sweden, work their way up the leagues, and then I still get a, a respectable career. There's nothing wrong with playing in the top five of Sweden. I think that's still quite a, quite a successful way to go. Yeah, there's definitely different pathways in different countries. Um, but just going back to sort of the UK and, and London, and we, we talked about earlier that, you know, London in particular has a, such a hub of, of talent uh, and, and especially talented um, English youngsters at the moment. Um, but there has been a bit of a drain from, from some of the London clubs in terms of their youth prospects, um, which is natural because only so many academy graduates can find the golden formula of there being a pathway at a top club openings in the first team at the right moment uh, and a coach who's secure enough in his own job to, to blood the young players. Um, and we touched on um, Eunice Musa at Arsenal, but across North London, you know, you've got Spurs Academy, which also produces its fair share of top players. Um, last summer, though, two of their most talented under-23s um, and, and also under-18 um, departed for, for the Netherlands and Portugal. Uh, and first up heading to, to PSV Eindhoven uh, was Noni Madueke, um, predominantly a right winger, 18 years old, but doesn't play like it. And, and he'd, he'd already made his um, senior PSV debut before the uh, the Eredivisie season was cancelled. But yeah, he doesn't really play like a like a like your typical 18 year old whatsoever. Um, he looks he does look like a really really exciting one, no doubt one that you've tracked um, because his rise has been so sharp. Um, you know, started the season in the under 19 Eredivisie, um, absolutely bossed that made the jump to what is effectively under-23 football uh, in England with young PSV in the Dutch second division, um, scored four goals in under 500 minutes and then was awarded his full league debut. Um, just coming back to you, Cam, how highly rated is Madueke at PSV? You know, have you heard any whisperings? Um, or Because, I mean, you know, they're not short of top young players. You know, they're, they're actually brimming, in fact. Yeah, I'm so impressed with him. Like you said, the stats, like, I started the season, I was thinking maybe he might break into the young PS3 side and then suddenly he's played six games and then he's playing for the first team. He's travelling with the first team. It's, at that age, I was so impressed. Like, And you said PS3 do seem to play a lot of their young forwards and seems to do quite well. And hopefully uh, he can stay, stay there for another year and really like, nail down a spot in the first team. I didn't expect him to even be in playing for the first team at this sort of stage so he must be so far ahead of his sort of schedule in his mind he probably always backed himself to make the first team but um, it appears to be must be pretty impressed with the way he's done and the way he's hopefully he can get that first team goal at the start of next season and yeah I'll probably see him maybe even move up the England ranks as well hopefully maybe he make England 21 next season 
Yeah, because we've seen that. I mean, Bukayo Saka at Arsenal this season has done tremendously, um, you know, to, to become what is at the moment one of their most relied upon, upon players. But, you know, outside of Arsenal and youth football circles, um, at the beginning of the season, not many people would have heard of Saka. So I think, yeah, you're right in in saying that, that Madueke and, and his sort of, his, his growth um, so soon has been... Um, his development rather has been has been so sharp and and I mean like you said no one expected him to be to be making the first team just yet um, but it's been yeah it's been hugely encouraging um, but another one who who we've been raving about lately who who left Tottenham um, for good last summer was Marcus Edwards and I can now admit that the propaganda on the scouted football timeline has been some of my doing uh, but it's purely and simply because you know he's thriving in an environment in in Portugal at Vitoria Guimarães. Um, where he's been given regular games, um, and you know he's played and scored in the Europa League in Portugal's top flight this season, and keeps impressing game by game. Uh, we were just discussing last night. You know he, you know he loves a dribble and then cuts inside and hit a shot off the bar against Benfica, and you know he, he's just such a such an aesthetic player. Um, wh- I mean, why do you think he's done so well over in Portugal? Uh, you know, in in such a in, in a in a league which is. You know, apart from Eric Dyer at, at Sporting years ago, you know, doesn't really have a history of, of English players having played there. Yeah, I think yeah, that's true. I think the way you said about the regular games is just so important. That loan to Holland gave him like a good first taste, like twenty games or whatever, a few goal involvements. But this year, like now, he's playing most games. I mean, it's thirty-four appearances I've got here. He's um just impressing every game. He's he's just he can't be dropped now. Really, the way he's playing. Uh, I think he's scoring his Arsenal as well in Europa League, so that was probably a pretty big moment for him. But it wasn't a one-off the way he's gone on now, getting goals and assists most games or every other game. Um, and that sort of yeah, that run of games has really helped him. Um, just the way he, if he was back in England, he made a few side appearances, he made it really difficult to make an impact. Being given those full ninety minutes to make an impression is seems to be thriving on that. And now he's got uh, Isaac Sutherland, an English defender, as well into start three or four games in a row now that's Vittoria definitely a team to watch yeah they've definitely done some interesting stuff with their recruitment there because that's no coincidence that they've got um, Isa Solomon and of course Marcus Edwards there and you know if both are playing regular first team football that's great because I think a lot of people may have looked at Solomon you know formerly of Aston Villa uh, and said you know oh, he's just never going to make the grade he's never going to make it make it through so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to see that definitely um, but yeah b- back with Edwards um, you mentioned his loan spell in the Netherlands and yeah he did spend a year out there at, at Excelsior uh, and that clearly has, has wet his appetite for continental living um, I mean the, yeah the progression is something which uh, I've most been impressed with because he was consistently good at beating players with a dribble you know utilizing that low center of gravity in a burst of acceleration to go beyond his man um, but he's carried that through into the new environment, into a completely different league in Portugal, but also seems more geared towards putting that uh, to use for the collective effort of the team now as well, which I suppose has been reflected in, in his assists tally this season. So, I mean, you know, you look at Madwicki, you look uh, at Marcus Edwards, you know, two very technically gifted players, no doubt the beneficiaries of first-class coaching in England during their younger years. But uh, do you think that there's... There's a market for these sort of Sancho type players at, at top, uh, top level European football because um, they might not be getting the pathway at English clubs, but there are clubs in 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 other in lesser leagues who are just chomping at the bit to get their hands on a player with great technical class who just hasn't been given the opportunity. Oh yeah, I guess so. I guess in one way there may be more players similar to them abroad, but 
Um, maybe that's why they're attractive to, to foreign teams. They're sort of players they usually go after. But they also have, like, for the British, like, they're not getting picks as much in England because maybe accusations of being lightweight or something like that, old-fashioned sort of views like that. And um, Edwards has done so well by being given that chance, like you say. And um, so I guess, like, that sort of style maybe just get overlooked a bit in England sometimes because they want them, if they don't get the goals and assists, they're thinking, oh, there's no end product. Just get rid of them, shift them out. Um, but we saw, not English player, with a Dharma trial at Wolves, eventually give, he's been given more and more of a chance to make that end product and he's added, added it to his game now. So maybe if Edwards was given more of a chance, he would have had the chance to add that sort of end product he has now to his game in England. But he wasn't given that chance and now he's found it in Portugal and he's taken it completely. Yeah, I think you have to admire the decision as well because n- not every young English player who is, you know, for example, one of the best in the under-23 setup um, is going to take a look at a club, you know, f- fifth, sixth, seventh in in the in Liga Noche in Portugal, and say, yeah, you know, what? I fancy that challenge. So I think you know, plenty of kudos to to him, to to his agent, um, to to his family, and anyone else like his representatives, because he clearly feels as though he's had the capability to go and do that, and, and you know, the support network as well. But uh, speaking of t- high quality technical ability and, and sort of staying with the theme of uh, academy players departing London clubs for sunnier climes. Um, one player that you really wanted to discuss was was Jamal Musiala. Um, and as mentioned on our last episode uh, with Jonathan Harding, uh, Musiala left Chelsea to join Bayern and has links to Germany, having been born in Stuttgart. Um, Cam, what are your what are your thoughts on Musiala, his move, you know, making his senior bow and the like? Oh yeah, it's similar again to sort of Madariki, like and uh, Musa. They're so far ahead of the development that I expect them to be at this sort of level. And Musiala at seventeen. And, I was just so happy for him to make his like uh, debut for the B team in the third division uh, after lockdown, thinking that's it now. He's like he's just making his first senior games and making a couple of appearances for the B team. That'll be it. And then suddenly he scores a brace for the B team, makes eight games for them, and he's making his Bundesliga debut. Obviously, it helped that Bayern already had the league wrapped up, but I was so impressed with him. And now he could be a fight on our hands for the international future, really. The fact that he switched between Germany and England in the past, and the fact that he moved from Chelsea to Bayern with another dual national player, um, can't forget his name, Bright, uh, I can't remember his last name. So then, uh, Bright B, I think it is, yeah. I know who you mean, yeah, the set, he's a young centre-back, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, so like, okay. if they're good friends, and I think he's played to Germany now, they could be a threat to um, England in the future for Monsieur, that hope he chooses to stick with England, and uh, yeah, very impressed. That brace he got for the B team, um, I think he was like, just almost as surprised as everyone else watching, the fact that he's had that sort of impact already in men's football. Yeah, there definitely are parallels in terms of sort of the rise that he and Madueki have, have had, you know, going, I mean, effectively being your first full season uh, at, a, at a big club abroad um, and, you know, breaking through from the under 19, the the uh, level to, to the B side or, or the, or the um, and then into the, the first team. So, yeah, they've both done very well. And of course, yeah, England are going to have a fight on their hands for, for nailing down Musiala's future because obviously German born and he has flip-flopped between um, Germany under 16, England under 17, I think it is. Um, so yeah, you'll, you'll have a decision on his hands. Um, but like like Madueki, there's, there's another player um, that you'd like to discuss, Cam, uh, who's playing in the Netherlands at the moment. And Max Clark may be 24 and out of our scope. So you won't be seeing him featured on our Twitter or in the handbooks, but we can make allowances from time to time, especially for what is quite an unconventional route of sorts into playing abroad. 
Um, what's essentially I haven't seen very much of him. Um, but so what's the what's the lowdown on Clark? You know, where is he at in Holland? Where did he move from? Why why is he the one that you singled out? Oh yeah, he's kind of caught. I saw off, off guard really. He saw him uh, leave Hull for the test, and um, it wasn't like a Chelsea player. It wasn't a Chelsea player on loan for a change. He was actually a permanent signing. Um, and now in his second year, he's just been one of the best left backs in Eredivisie, like stats wise, and seems to do quite well. And who scored those sort of ratings from his overall game? Um, so much so the tabloids start linking him as the uh, replacement for Ben Chilwell at Leicester. If Chilwell is to leave, Clark has been touted as a cheap kind of replacement. Um, he gets a few assists from left back, and he's scored once a season as well. But he just, yeah, they a whole. I'm not sure they would have seen him coming such a like great prospect. Now he's 24, he's probably he's not considered his prospect as much. But the way he's playing for the test, I think he's got a good chance of either moving to a bigger team in Holland or getting a shot in the Premier League, which he probably wouldn't have got if he stayed in England. As I'm not sure he was ever really linked to any big teams in the Premier League. Yeah, and I suppose Hull could probably do with him right now a player of real quality um, after their sort of their woes in in twenty twenty in the league. Um, but yeah, I mean, he might he might get a move back to England. He might be one of those who earns a move back to England rather than sort of returns with his tail between his legs. Um, and I suppose um, with it being the transfer season, um, it would be rude not to discuss sort of an English player who's who's made a switch between two continental European clubs, which isn't really the type of move that we're used to seeing. You know, it's typically an English player leaving an English club for, for passages new abroad or vice versa, you know, an English player leaving a foreign club to return to England. Um, and that's Steffi Mabididi who books that trend to an extent, you know, former Arsenal boy. Uh, he's 22 and made a permanent switch to, to Montpellier in Ligue 1 from Juventus. Um, he spent time on loan at Dijon this season, clearly did enough there to, to warrant uh, Montpellier spending five and a half million on him in what really was a bit of a, a dour and, and, and drab side. Um, but since he left Arsenal and joined Juve, where granted he didn't exactly make a splash, I, I personally haven't really kept myself in the loop with Mavididi. Um, I mean, what, what has he what has he been up to? Like, how has he sort of landed at Montpellier? Yeah, it was an interesting one. Obviously, Juve starting there on the twenty three side in Serie C, and then looking for okay, recruit, like just new players, I guess, and. So Mavadidi signed for Juventus. I guess he probably wouldn't have joined Juventus if it wasn't for that new Serie C side. And um, yeah, he did all right in you know, that first season with Juventus. I think he got seven goals in the third division and made one one appearance in Serie A. I think. But then yeah, this year playing for Dijon, like his first season in a top flight, regular football, uh, scoring eight goals, and yeah, pretty impressed. He done done well. He did quite well, especially in cup competitions. I think he got. Three of three of his goals in the cup competitions and did really well at the start of 2020. And now, yeah, this move, like, the fact that a team wants to pay 5.5 million for him, and seeing he had loan spells back in England that didn't go so well, he's done pretty well for himself. And Montpellier, yeah, spending that that money on him, like, she's turned out to be great business for Juventus, I guess. The fact they bought a player for their and 23 side in Serie C, and now they're turning over like a five million profit on him. But that's no discredit to Mavididi. He's not just a business, obviously, thing. He's done well and he's going to probably be quite an asset for Montpellier next season. Yeah, you touched on those loans that he had in, in the EFL just there. I mean, before making that move to Juventus, and I can't really imagine there are too many players who've played for Charlton Athletic and Juventus or gone from Charlton you know, to Juventus in the space of a year um, or a year or two. Uh, but uh, there, there were really periods that he had to endure rather than enjoy, I feel, um, but 
settling abroad seems to have been easier for him than those you know short term uh, temporary deals at at the Valley and, and at Deepdale. Why do you think it's been been easier for him to settle abroad than than it has been in in the EFL? Um, yeah, one thing he might when he's back in England, he, his whole career he's kind of flipped between left wing or striker, or like second striker. I don't know that really affected him really in England trying to nail down a spot whether he was a left winger or a striker. I mean, this season he's gone between the two still and done better. So I guess it's not really an excuse. But uh, that season at Juventus, he paid up front pretty much all year. So his versatility seemed to be more of a, a benefit to him abroad, whereas in England he, he was getting the old like, 20 minutes coming on sub a left wing, not really having a chance to make an impact, and then playing up front and then getting like hooks early. Maybe he wasn't ready physically for League One or Championship. Um, but yeah, it didn't seem to have affected him, and he seems to be able to play both positions now quite well. Should should um, British clubs perhaps look more to to foreign clubs rather than the EFL? You know, in terms of where they're going to 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 send their players, even if it's just on loan. You know, even if they are players that yes, they do see a future for in the first team. Um, you know, because I, I suppose Mavididi is is a is a case study of that, and with the, the 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 increase in English players going to play abroad and actually getting games there. Um, what are your thoughts on on that as a situation as a whole, and also Mavididi's um situation in particular uh, yeah I think with um, it's not greatly in response to your question but a person like it's similar similar to Mavadidi uh, Ike Ogbo from Chelsea who was at Roda in Holland this year like he's so similar to the way Mavadidi like both of them had loan spells in EFL hardly scored couldn't get like a solid running game he didn't really score didn't reset the world on fire Mavadidi got 8 goals this year Ogbo gets like 13-14 for Roda um, so I don't see why players shouldn't be, uh, or clubs shouldn't be looking to send their players abroad. It showed that if Arsenal kept holding over DD and he had that loan spell at Dijon whilst at Arsenal, maybe Arsenal could have turned over five and a half million on the player they previously would have discarded. So, um, yeah, I reckon take a look abroad for clubs. Um, obviously, Chelsea used to send players to the test, but they seem to be happy to send players, English players all over Holland now, Belgium. So, yeah, it seems like a great option. Yeah, it's a great point actually. And Arsenal, you know, they they are going to be scraping around for funds a little bit at the moment. Um, you know, with the well, that seems to be the case with um, you know, the the ten million that they're having to spend each each year on on Nicola Pepe. Um, but yeah, there are actually so many young and I suppose and old uh, English players abroad at the moment, um, which ten fifteen years ago just simply wasn't the case. Um, so. I think you're sort of you you got there um, right at the beginning of, of sort of an influx of, of players coming into Europe uh, from from England. Um, there's been something of a changing of the seasons in that regard, and and perhaps the attitudes towards developing out of the scope of the British media, um, where expectations are perhaps lowered. You know, is is perhaps better, and players are sort of cottoning on cottoning onto that. Uh, you know, where the standard at first team level is is more more catered to developing than than elite level performance. That's certainly something that I feel with the with the Eredivisie and, and, and the Bundesliga in particular. They're more welcoming environments for for, for younger players um, looking to develop physically, but also tactically and and also um, and also mentally. I mean, I'm I'm just going to rattle off a few names here just to stress how long we could have continued for today. Um, but there's there's been Arvin Appiah at uh, Almeria left Notts Forest for around eight million, which was probably an overestimation, but that was mainly to do with Almeria's new ownership. Um, but he's just 19 years old. Uh, similarly, you've got Ronaldo Vieira at Sampdoria, formerly of Leeds United. 
Um, Anthony Evans, 21 years old, ex-Everton, uh, attacking midfielder at SC Paderborn. Um, Clinton Moller, also in Germany at, at VSB Stuttgart, highly thought of at, at Chelsea's academy until his winter move. Um, Rio Griffiths, ex-Spurs, now with uh, Olympique Lyonnais. Uh, of course, Jonathan Panzo, who won the Under-17 World Cup with England, um, we touched on earlier. He's at Monaco, or returning to Monaco after a loan spell in Belgium. Um, you know, they're, and they're just a handful of the English lads. You know, looking at the Scottish and Welsh players abroad as well, you've got Robbie Matondo, Ethan Ampadu, both had time in the Bundesliga this year. Um, Scottish international Oli Burke in Spain with Alaves. Um, and another ex-Everton man, uh, Fraser Hornby, just completed a, a move from Everton to, to Stade Um the, 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 There are loads when you when you actually just look at the list. Um, I mean, of, of that, of, of those that I rattled off, are there any names that stick out to you, Cam, that, who we haven't touched on in more depth? Um, well, it's a couple of people you've mentioned there, actually. Uh, obviously, Anthony Evans uh, bossed it for under 20, Everton under 23s. He's such a good player in PL2, but um, like wasn't given a chance in the first team at all when his loan spell was at Blackpool and Morecambe, and then seen him go to Paderborn. Uh, maybe more for after they get relegated to Dubai and Bundesliga too, but the fact that he even got, got to play and make several starts in Bundesliga, I was pretty happy with that. And then Rio Griffiths as well. Um, Scored a lot of goals at under eighteen there with the Spurs, like so many goals and two seasons now with Leon uh just playing for their B team in the lower tiers in France. I'm not sure what is going on with him. Um I mean he's still playing men's football, but he's not really had a sniff in the first team in Leon. I hope he continues to to develop abroad, but I guess his development hasn't moved as fast as some of the other players we mentioned. Yeah, there's Fraser Hornby as well, who who was ex Everton, um, just who just made that move to to Stad Rim uh, recently. Um, he had a few loans as well um, that were quite interesting, but obviously he's decided to 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 try his hand at, at French football. Um, I mean, what did you see of Hornby when he was sort of at, at Everton and, and playing for Scotland's under twenty ones, if anything at all? Yeah, Hornby like interesting one because obviously I like I sometimes count I like to count him now because he plays at plays at Scotland, but he was born in Northampton, I think so. Yeah, I like to count him. And when he did play for Everton, he played for us in the Europa League in that victory away in Cyprus and did quite well. Quite a tall guy up front. Uh, held the ball up fairly well, fixed on quite well. And he's played in some friendlies for us and he looked quite useful. And his loan spell in Belgium this season, I think he got three or four goals in like 15 games. So he's done well to get a move to Ligue 1, really, after... I know he's a young player, um, but he's still... After three or four goals, obviously, they've seen the potential on him and... Good luck to him in France because uh, that's a big step up and I hope he gets the chance to perform there. Yeah, he's not quite at uh, Duncan Ferguson levels just yet in terms of Scottish strikers at Everton. But, you know, there's this there's hope, you know, that he might uh, he might uh, leave his market at Stad Rim. Um, I mean, we're not saying that all that like all these players are going to do well. And I'm sure you're, you, you stress that as well, Cam. And, you know, because not all of them are going to be regular starters at those clubs just because they're English, Scottish, Welsh or or just because they've made the move abroad. Like, no, the moves might not fit. They might not play just as the, as is the case with domestic clubs. Um, the actual trend of players, you know, particularly the younger ones going over to Europe or even sort of further afield is perhaps what's more interesting. Um I mean, from from your Arvin Appiahs to to your Eunice Musas, you know that is sort of a, a brief overview of some of the young English players um, currently trying to break through at clubs outside the UK. For so long, it had not been the done thing, but but recent success stories like Jaden Sancho's appear to have burst the dam, and, and more players are are clocking onto the opportunities on 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 distant shores. 
Um, that is that is all from us today on the Scout Football Podcast. Um, thank you to Cam and, and thanks a lot for for running the English Players Abroad account. It's great to have the progress of all those players collated in in one place. Um, I hope we have some more Jaden Sancho's so we'll have uh, an excuse to record again. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for for coming on. Oh yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's uh, good to have a big account like yours uh, checking out my account really. Um, just from the bedroom and it seems to be doing quite well at the moment. And more people go abroad, I'm excited to tweet about them and gives me more stuff to follow. So um, yeah, I'm excited for the summer window. Yeah, definitely. With the, the transfer window coming up, that'll be a, a busy time, no doubt. Um, just before we go, do you have anything that you'd like to, to promote to everybody listening? Um, yeah, on my... We're uh, going to EnglishPlayersAbroad.com. Um, I have a list. I hope it's uh, still still up to date of uh, every single English player abroad that I know of. And it's uh, over 400 players now from uh, Arinze, Urade, just gone to Uruguay to like fourth or fifth division Sweden. I've, I've hopefully, and they've got female players on there as well. I hopefully have uh, everyone on there. Um, so it's gone to over 400 now. It, it started lockdown, I put it together and I've just been updating it since. And yeah, I've got I've got an interactive map so you can hover over the countries and the countries which are darker, it shows where the players are. Um, yeah, and the Excel spreadsheet is probably the best place to go to see a full list of everyone. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, that's the interactive map. I mean, that sounds like it's right up my street as well. Um, I had I literally hadn't hadn't seen that, so yeah, I'll be checking it out definitely. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for for coming on, and, and also thank you very much for listening to everybody who's tuned in. Um, that's all from us. You've been listening to the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue, and Cam Melling of at English Abroad One. Bye for now. <laughs>